Women with an Upped Up Minds. I'm your host, Ms. J. Marie. We're unfiltered, uncut, and reminding you about all the effed up things in our military. And, you know, ruffling as many feathers as we can. So I hope y'all are ready. Better strap in, because it's time to do the damn thing. Welcome back this week. And this week is actually a little bit different than we normally do. First off, it's my first in-person interview. And secondly, it's with somebody that is not exactly the same as my normal narrative. And we're still going to kind of touch on the topics that my platform holds, but we're also going to shake it up a little bit. One thing we do have in common is this word called accountability. And when I say that, everybody wants accountability for something, but it's what you ask for accountability for. So today I have a very special guest to kind of change the narrative a little bit. And that is Stu Scheller. And if you don't know who that is, he is somebody that asked for accountability when it came to Afghanistan. But we're not here to talk about that. Like I said, we're here to change the narrative and kind of show a different side and poke his brain a little bit. So welcome. I'm glad to be here. I have my brain poked, so let's, uh, let's take your yeah. brain, but it is what it is at this point. I'm just going to yeah. fucking wing it. It's fine. Uh, yeah, excited to be here. Thank Jay Marie for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on here, and especially the first interview, so I'm just going to prepare you that I'm an awkward fuck if you haven't realized that before the episode, but it's fine. It's cool. We're here. We're here. You know. I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you again, though, for taking the time out of your busy fucking schedule because, you know, you've been on 101 different things, whether it's the newspaper like today (laughs) and various podcasts. But this one, I was promised, is going to be very different. So I'm looking forward to new questions, tough challenges, (laughs) and I hope that I can rise to the occasion. To you, what does the word accountability mean? Accountability is addressing a standard that should be upheld. So whether that's how you treat your kids, whether that's how you treat your Marines, whether that's how you hold yourself, accountability is holding to standard, whatever that standard may be. Do you think even though that's what we preach in the military, it's our biggest biggest flaw? You know, I think that there is a almost line of departure at the 06 and up level. You could also lump E9s in that category too, where all of a sudden the same standards of accountability just don't apply. I'm not, I have theories on why that is, but what I, my endeavor was because I thought general officers had figured out how to navigate their career and not necessarily win wars. And so accountability doesn't actually fix the primary problem, which is senior leaders should be able to win wars. Accountability is just holding them to task and saying you did not win a war. You were focused on your career. And so it's it's addressing a symptom of a bigger problem. The bigger problem is we've veered off of what's important. But when you do that, you need to be held accountable. That's step one. And that forces all the other people to look over their shoulders and think, hey, maybe this fighting wars thing is important too. So that was my endeavor. So who is Stu Scheller? I'm a man. (laughs) I was a Marine. And now I'm trying to figure that out, Jay Marie. (laughs) Trying to figure that out. You're an accountant before this. I mean, that's a loose term. I majored in accounting (laughs) and I was, I was balancing books 
that quite honestly a trained monkey could have done. Like it was not, I mean, it was the most simple. It did not require a college degree to do the accounting that I was doing. I was not a CPA, but I was doing accounting and it was not fun. And back then, 40-year-olds were really old and I was 23 and now I'm, I am that old 40-year-old. But I remember looking at all the 40-somethings and thinking, I'm not going to end up like you. I'm going to stay 23 forever, right? I'm going to go fight a war. And, and so, yeah, I joined the Marine Corps. She said, fuck it, here, let's just join the Marine Corps. I did, yeah. <laughs> that sounded better than my current situation, believe it or not. Well, I mean, you've paved a way for a lot of different things, whether you think so or not. Whether regardless of what others have to say, I mean, you are, you're paving a way for many things and asking the biggest question is accountability. And, you know, with my platform, accountability is like a whole different spectrum of things. So, like I said, we're not going to dive into what you actually ask for accountability for because right now I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, okay. that's not what we're here yeah, for. No, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's poke my brain. Let's just do this. Jesus, I can't believe I fucking said that. I meant pick your brain, but it'll buff. I'm not going to let it go. I'm too, I know you're I'm not either. You started with it, and now I'm going to make sure I say it six it's more fine. times this You interview. know how many times I practiced that today about <laughs> I'm going to pick his brain, and I even wrote it out at one point, and then I still said fucking poke. It is what it is. So I asked around for some people that have other platforms that wanted to ask you some questions. So... You and wait, I wait, had wait, this. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. You what? took a survey of other people that wanted to ask me questions? Yeah. From my platform, because my platform is clearly something oh, okay. different. Oh, I get, I get it. So the people that follow you ask questions. Yes. Yeah, okay. There you go. I'm on board. <laughs> so one of the biggest questions, and we've even had this discussion before, was being equal. So we come from, me and you come from different generations come from you just call me old no what the fuck is that <laughs> that, is, that is what you just said that's how you start your question <laughs> no <laughs> that's what you did no yeah oh, we do Jesus. come from dinner generation go on with your question youngin probably because you fucking old core bullshit <laughs> anyway so the first question was is and I actually like this one because again like I said we've had these this discussion these discussion before god damn it that how do we become equals? So you being a male, me being a female, take out the enlisted to officer side, how do we become equals? All right, I'm gonna talk for a little bit and then come back to your question. Go for it. So when I came into the Marine Corps, everybody told me I didn't know shit because I hadn't been to Iraq. Went on my first deployment in Israel, got into a conflict with Lebanon, and we went in there and did a NEO, and so the so what is I ended that first deployment having not been to Iraq. So the mantra was still, you don't get it because you haven't been to Iraq. <clears throat> My next deployment, I went to Iraq. Got back from Iraq, got to SOI, and then everyone was like, well, you don't know shit because you haven't been to Afghanistan. I was like, all right. You know, so I do a couple years at SOI. Then I go to Afghanistan for a year. And then I come back. And then what did they say? You guys don't know how to do unit training because you've been at war for so long. You weren't here pre-9-11, <laughs> so you don't understand unit training. And that was the moment where it was like, no matter what you do, there's always somebody out there telling you you don't know shit because you weren't around for whatever the fuck. And I get so sick of the the new generation doesn't get it. I've worked in the schoolhouse. I've either been in an infantry unit lumping Marsock in there or in a training unit. I've worked at SOI, OCS, and TBS. And every single time I went to one of these places, there was some type of element of instructor that said that the young people didn't get it. 
even when I was at TBS as a major, people were saying that the captains didn't get it because that was a generation of captains that hadn't been to combat or whatever. And it's just, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It really is. What you need is smart human beings with a common measuring stick to serve their country. And there was a, a quote by Chesty Puller. I mean, Chesty Puller's been quoted a lot, so who knows what he actually <laughs> ever fucking said. Right. But one of the attributed <laughs> quotes is, old core, new core, I don't care as long as it's the Marine, Marine right? And, and I, that's true. So I don't know whoever said that. Maybe it was Chesty Puller. But I, I agree with that. Like, old core, new core, it's all bullshit. And so I open with that. Like, no matter what we talk about in terms of equality, whether it's male, female, or whatever, if you're young and you're coming in, there is always going to be a gatekeeper somewhere telling you you don't know shit. And that's just – that's I've just found that to be like human nature. That is true when you go into a bureaucracy like the Marine Corps. And it always bothered me. But I, I think trying to fight that – like that's happened since the Marine Corps was – came around. You know, you can see the quotes from back in World War II saying the same thing. Like I just think that that's something that humans are prone to. People that have been suffering and sacrificing and serving for – you know, let's call it 10 to 20 year career, they look at young people that are different. They're not worse or better, but they're going to be different. And then because of those differences, they just think that it's wrong because it's not the same way as them. And I don't know why that exists in human character, but it does. And I've, I've observed it. I've been a victim to it. I've probably been <clears throat> advocating for it at times, right? Like you fall in the trap with your friends, but <clears throat> so there's that. Now, to the real thing you want to talk about, right? <laughs> You're asking about males and females being equal. So I'll start with males and females physiologically and psychologically are not the same. Can we agree on that? Yeah, to start? Absolutely. Okay. So if we agree that males and females are not physiologically and psychologically the same, that starts the argument at least somewhere. There are people that argue, I think, that, that, that they're the same, right? That gender is fluid in that... Like the, so, like you have to figure out where you're starting this argument. So I like to start with we can agree that physiologically and even psychologically there are differences between males and females. So like if we agree on that, that starts us somewhere. All right. So then, if we like in that sense we're not equals, we're different, but it doesn't mean we can't both have like the same opportunities. And this is where the the argument gets complicated because their equality and equal opportunity are not the same thing. And so. I guess that's I, I would push the question back to you. Are you saying that in the Marine Corps there should be equal opportunity or are you saying there should be equality? Ooh. Look at you turning it on me. <laughs> I mean, I would say now, especially given what I do and where I'm at, there is to an extent equal opportunity. Now whether or not the chance is actually given to them, because ninety-nine percent of the time, and I've seen it firsthand. Especially, I'm not going to say what my MOS is, but I've seen it to where they want to go over the guy just because that's what they know over the female. Like, I have that opportunity to do the same exact thing. For example, my first year in the fleet, I had the opportunity. I made sure I was smart as shit. I may not be as strong as everybody, but I made sure that I was smart as shit. And I had the opportunity. My third month in the fleet was to go to these courses, knock out these courses so that I can continue to strive into what I wanted, my goals. I got pulled from the course three times. Got put on, got pulled the day before because somebody wanted to, that felt they deserved it better. It was always guys that went ahead of me. I didn't really hold the gender thing. I was just like, whatever, just kind of like chalked it up. But later down the line, I eventually did find out because I had people in my command 
that felt women should not do what I do. And I've said it before. I'll just say combat MOS. We'll just put it that way. I've, I've worked with people like that. And I later did find out that was part of one of the reasons, one of the three reasons why I got pulled from the course. So I was kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. So we have the equal opportunity. I can go to the same courses as, these, as other people, but whether or not I actually get the opportunity because of who's decides whether or not who the fuck goes is a different story. Yeah, I'll just, I mean, commenting on your story, to me, that's black and white, right and wrong. Like, I don't think anyone would argue that the story and the circumstances you just gave is bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. universally, most good human beings would hear those facts. Now, I'm sure the command has another side of the story, right? But let's just assume what you just said, like, and I believe you, completely true. And, and I've seen stuff like that. Like, that's black and white, right and wrong. The, the, the anomaly that's happening, and I've heard this... We're talking females right now, but it's the same thing with minorities. The problem, the human dimension problem is that in the Marine Corps, your evaluation is 100% subjective based on your boss, at least for a sergeant and up and any type of officer. Now, I understand up through corporal, it's pros and cons, which quite honestly are a little bit more objective because there's actually metrics that feed it, but still even with... um, you know, your cutting score, a pro and con is still very subjective in terms of the leadership racking and stacking with pro and cons, right? But there's also PFT and rifle and all those other things that come into it that are objective, much more so than a fitness report, which is 100% that RS just like licking his finger, putting it in the air and saying, <laughs> I'm going to make you the third in my profile, right? Like it's that <laughs> subjective. And so what I've noticed is that bosses tend to want to have people that they see themselves in, Right. So I, I think the first step is identifying what your bias is. So every single person has a prism with which they see the world, whether they realize it or not. There is no such person that is completely gender blind, color blind. I mean, everyone has this prism. And so the first step is identifying, like, how do you see the world? And then as a boss, you have to ask yourself, like, why objectively am I evaluating this person over this person and try to address your bias? And that's if you can address it, then it's a little bit easier to identify why you might be making some of the decisions. That's like one part of it. But there's so many different complications to all of these things. Like, let's just use let's stick with minorities and I'll come back to the females at hand. I worked at the basic school. And the three years that I was there, 15 to 18, females were getting introduced into combat arms and there was a big push about minorities not being general officers. And as a operations officer and war fighting director and company commander, that was my tour there, we talked, I don't want to oversell it, but about like minorities and females in combat arms, probably a quarter of the time, like 25% of my time was dedicated to data collection talking about like Dakowitz congressional testimony. I mean, we, and, and, and it was like very important to us. This was something that we wanted to get right. And it was really a bunch of white men too. So like, you know, and I'll just use using minorities. Most general officers come from infantry officers. And what we found was you could just look at the data. Like I'm not saying anything that's not statistically proven, at least the three years that I was there, Black Marines didn't want to become infantry officers and we didn't force them to do that. But when they didn't choose to become an infantry officer, then they were less likely to become a general officer. And so what we actually did was we polled 
the black officers and the females into a room and like segregated them from the white population. And then we were, it was like, oh, by the way, if you're white and you want to come, you can. And then we gave them a pitch about why they should go combat arms and explain to them they're more likely to become a general. And then rightfully, some of those students would come to me after the fact and be like, this is fucked up that you just <laughs> segregated us and targeted us. And I was like, you're right. It is <laughs> fucked up. But I was like, I don't know how else to address this problem because the problem is minorities aren't getting promoted. They're not going into combat arms. I acknowledge that senior generals, mostly white men, are probably promoting people that they see themselves in. It's just – it's this multifaceted problem that is not easily solvable. But like I go back to I think most human beings want to see equality through males and females, you know, sexuality. Like as a as a 40-year-old white male infantry officer, like I, I tell you honestly, like I don't give a shit about any of that. All I care about is a human being that can show up and do what needs to be done. That's the way it and should I, be. And that's the way it should be. And I think most common sense people agree <laughs> with that, right? Like, they're, I, I, quite honestly, like, you'll, you'll hear some idiots, like, even on my social media because I had such a huge social media following. <laughs> I had some guy that got on there the other day and he said no he, – he said this. No man should ever work for a woman. And first I thought maybe he was joking and I came back and I told him, I was like, hey, brother, like – my mom was a leader. Like every female school teacher I've ever had was a leader. Like I've grown up with female leaders and I would have no problem working for a female leader again if she, you know, was making the standards. And he came back and was just like, well, it's different between being a kid and being an adult. And then he just continued to go on and then I just blocked him. Cause like, yeah, there's idiots out there. I was like, but you're not going to be on my platform talking just some bullshit. Right. So those kind of people you can't, yeah, you can't. So far that's gone. right. Like you, that's what I'm saying. They're so far gone. Like you can. That's what I did. I tried to engage it, and when you just come back and entrench yeah. your position, that's when I just break contact. And I'm like, okay, well, we're gonna agree to disagree, and I'm gonna go in a different direction because I'm not gonna sit here and continue to engage with you if if that's your position in life, right? And you you'll find that those people just don't. I mean, they wash themselves out. They're not. And and I've I, I can say you know I was in the top. 15% of my peers in the infantry ranks, at least in the O5s now, like th- there's very few of those very talented people that, that think like there shouldn't be females there shouldn't be minorities. Like I just don't see it. Now, does that mean there's not a problem with a lack of diversity? No. Like I, you can look at the data and there is a problem. Like there's only 10% of the forces females. When you look at the general officers, most of them are white males, right? So if you just look at the data, it's easy to come to some correlations with there are problems. And that's where kind of the things I was discussing, you got to peel back, like, what can we do to address it? Is it because they're not going into combat arms? Is it because they're not given the same opportunities? Is it because they're physiologically different? Like, there are many different scenarios to this. And then the other thing with females is, you know, we talk about their physiological differences. Females usually at some point want to have a a child. And if you start talking about a 20-year career where a guy can continue and I had a wife for my entire career and I, she had three kids. Like, I don't know if she could have had those three kids and continued to do something like I was doing. Like, had she come in when we were both 23, she could have joined. But the, the physical toll of having a child, and I watched it. One of my peers is a, a well, I won't say the, all, all the details, but she, she had a problem as a company commander because she was going through some pregnancy stuff. And it's, and it's easy to be on the sideline and say, like, well, she's not meeting the standard. But at the same time, like as a human being, like I want to have a wife and children. And like I can only imagine 
if my wife who was like either pregnant or had just had a kid was doing some of the things that I was doing, like that's tough. That's challenging. Also, physiologically, like these females that I would see in OCS and TBS would come through like 90 to 110 pounds. And our pack in TBS, let's call it like 70 pounds, do the ratio of 70 pounds to 90 pounds. Like if I was a 200 pound man, that's like 170 pound, 160 pound pack. Like if I try and walk with a 160 pound pack, like I will break, you know? And so, and, and my bone structure is probably even built better to withstand that. And so, but then I go back to, is it equality we want or is it equal opportunity? Should that female wear a proportional pack, but then that's equal opportunity and that's not necessarily equality? Will there be a time where a female needs to carry this stuff? I don't know. These get, these get very complicated. So I'll tell you like one time when I was in the infantry officer course, a lot, of, a lot of people bang on infantry officer course because of the weight. And they say that the weight was created to prevent females. And there's, there's shreds of truth to that. Um, I watched as the standard was firmed. I don't want to say by like what cadre, but when I went through in our IOCCET, there was uh, like 80 of us and like, let's say 10 of them, that was even less than that, like five of them got broken. And so they were out and half the class failed the CET. Uh, not me, of course. I finished in like- What the, was the CET? I'm sorry. The CET is the combat endurance test. So the way, oh, okay. the way IOC works is they have like a big cardio fest. The CET is the big like half to full marathon with different stations. And so like a female, if she was to show up to that, she's got to be like a Naval Academy runner, like a fucking freak runner. But the problem is then after you get through the CET, they put a horrendous amount of weight on their packs. And so like a big CrossFit chick is going to have a real hard time with the CET because it's a cardio extensive thing. And so if she doesn't get through the CET, then she can't carry the pack and vice versa. If you've got a very fast runner that can do the CET, then she gets into the the class, and then she has to carry all this heavy weight, right? So that's, and so I bring it up just to say in my class, when we did the CET, half the class failed, and then the next weekend they ran the remedial and everybody passed, right? And then like five years later, they they saw the writing on the wall, females are going to come, and they hardened the standards that were always there, according to them. But what they don't tell people is that, yeah, those standards were there, but like, you know, look at my class. Fucking one taco six. You can go back and check the record. <laughs> half the class fucking failed. Half the class passed on the remedial. And then all of a sudden, four or five years later, when they saw the females were coming, they really hardened those standards. And they held men to them too. So it wasn't like they created those standards and it was just for females. So now men were getting attrited out. And men got attrited out at such a fast pace that the Marine Corps wasn't meeting its infantry officer demands. So then all of a sudden, the Marine Corps was saying, hey, like, you infantry officer corps have an obligation to produce X amount of infantry officers and you're not doing it. Why? And the, the dirty secret was they had kind of hardened the standards and prep for all the females that were coming through, which attrited out all the males and then they had to go back. And so the way they've addressed this now is really just in the last two years, they got rid of the majors that were the directors and they made a post-command lieutenant colonel who now... Um, I won't say he's softened the standards, but he, he's got more of a keen eye to make sure that there's probably more equal opportunity. Maybe the logic was like, go back, because these generals that are infantry officers remember like my, my IOC, where it was like, yeah, there was a CET, but it wasn't 
like what it had turned into in the last eight years. I remember this because I spoke to a three-star at my TBS. This was the PPNO general, which is the infantry advocate. And he was looking at me. He was my guest of honor for mess night at TBS. I was the company commander's major. And we were talking about this. This was when they were making the decisions. And he was just like, Stu, like no one was failing like they are now. Like they've obviously put some things in place. And so the generals, the three stars that I've got together and, and figured out how to get back to the way it was. Um, and there are females that have gotten through successfully. Now, just because a female gets through IOC though, I go back to the original point. She's still physiologically and psychologically different. She's still probably going to want to have a kid. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But the, does that mean she's not going to do better? No. Like she, maybe she does more better. I don't know. You know, maybe a female has better negotiating skills, right? I don't know the answers to these. Um, but I will say with females, with some of just the physiological differences, my concern was that they would lower the standards. Uh, and right now at infantry training battalion, there is different physical standards for females than there are males. It's not the same standard. I know this. I was at SOI. Is it kind of like how they do the PFT and CFT kind of thing? Yeah, that's a perfect example. Like why is the standard different on a PFT, CFT for males, females? And quite honestly, the PFT, CFT, maybe it makes sense because, you know, we, we need females straight up in the Marine Corps, in the military as a whole. It's a 50% of American population. To alienate that whole population would be very short-sighted. And the PFT, CFT, specifically in the younger ranks that we just talked about for your cutting score, is a big objective marker. Yeah, so we were talking about fitness reports and PFT, CFT. So, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's a balance between, again, equal opportunity and equality. And, and I don't know what the answer is. I'm just a dude. But <laughs> you can't alienate half your population. You need females. But you also have to put the best fighting force in terms of physical capability forward. So I'll give an example of something physical, right? We're talking about IOC and, and weight bearing and, like, is it necessary? The heaviest hike um, at IOC is actually the mortar hike. Um, but they also do a, a machine gun hike, which is probably the second heaviest. And I remember in IOC carrying this, I don't know, 100-pound pack. You got like 50 cal, 50 cal barrels and lower receivers on my back. And I was like about to break. And I was like, when am I ever going to do this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I thought every hike. <laughs> All right, we'll wait for it. So in Afghanistan, I was on – I was a counter-ID team leader. And I had an EOD team, and it was an Army EOD team, and in that EOD team was a female corporal. And she was super smart, super aggressive. I mean, just badass bitch, right? She just, um, she pissed in the Humvee with like a like a funnel. She was like, you know, she was one of the team, right? I love that. <laughs> like she, like, I'm telling you, like when I think of like someone that could go to war in a heartbeat, like she was it, right? Like she was cool as fuck. And she was an equal amongst everyone that was out there. And we saw a lot of combat and I, I had 100% trust in her, right? But in this situation, a Connex box had been dropped by one of the helicopters. And we had to go up there and they thought there might be explosives. So they sent EOD and me and, and a bunch of infantry. Got up there, we couldn't sling load it. So we asked to blow it up. They told us we couldn't blow it up. And they said, you need to carry all that shit out. And I was like, this is all like machine guns. 
And we're like, it's unusable. Let, let us just blow it up. And they're like, no, we can't take the chance of that ending up in the wrong hands. So we had to carry 50 cal lower receivers and barrels like up the mountain. And I, I had like a, a clear moment where I was like, I'm actually doing this. <laughs> and I went back to the time in IOC where I was like, I will never do this. <laughs> and there I was with my pack with 50 cal receivers on my shoulders thinking, I'm, I'm actually doing it. Like, I'm actually doing this right now. And, um, you know, there's a situation where that young female corporal was not capable of carrying that gear. Now, does that mean, like, her overall value is less? Like, absolutely not, right? Like, I just told you, like, she was down for the cause. She was super smart. But there's just, like, one situation where she couldn't do that. Um, and so, I don't, like, what does that mean? I, we kind of got into this off, off the record, but it's, like, what I worry about, and the analogy that I go to is the NBA. We talked about this. <laughs> the NBA and WNBA is equal opportunity, right? There's equal opportunity for if you're a female or, or man basketball player to play on a team. Equality would be the best players play on the best team. So you just have the NBA. And females go out and play on the NBA team. Now, the problem is war is much more complicated than just a basketball game. And so there are negotiating skills. There's longevity. There's female corporals that are very good at EOD that don't always have to be like playing a basketball game, right? So it's much more complicated than this simple analogy that I'm making. But the analogy does drive home a point, like, because let's just use basketball being, a, let's say it's a physical game and you played a game and you said one side just picks the best players and one side has to have equal opportunity. The losing team gets killed because that's the outcome of a war. You know, who do you want your child to play on? Like what team? Right. And so, again, that's an overly simplified analogy that's not doesn't have clear parallel to war. And, you know, especially in today's modern age with all the technology, it, it really requires a cerebral warrior much more than just playing a basketball game or carrying 50 cows up a mountain. Like it requires very intelligent people, which, you know, some of the obviously the most intelligent people are females like, you know, they're 50 they're percent of the population. Right. So, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just talking out loud. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll throw another problem at you because being a leader is impossible to separate your moral values from who you are as a leader. And with females in combat, we talk a lot about the problems of sexual assault, which I know, you're, you, know you talk a lot about on this show, and that is a very real problem. And I, you know, I don't even know if I fully appreciated what a problem it was until I went through my ordeal. And you would be amazed at the amount of people that reached out to me about the problems they've had with sexual assault and some of the stories. It's and just honestly going through my experience, realizing how corrupt the system can be when they don't like what you're saying. Like I can only imagine, right, being a young corporal that has been sexually assaulted and then trying to rock the boat and saying this is. I demand accountability, right? Like we saw how well that worked out for me, right? So I acknowledge that that is a systemic problem to the point where Congress is looking at pulling the legal authority from military commanders because they haven't been able to address it. So that's one thing. The other thing is everything we're talking about, which is the standards, you know, the difference in the physiological and psychological. And those are two common narratives that you know, people will talk about all the time. The one they don't talk about a lot is how... 
like a male that's brought up to treat a female with respect and like treat them differently can have an impact on a leader. And I'll give you just two, two examples of me. So like I was brought up to treat a woman with respect, right? And, and to take my time with a woman and not be an asshole if, for lack of a better term. And so on a pistol range, I was in Jordan. I was a headquarters company commander and I didn't have any females in my company. And we were on the Mew though. And so we set up a pistol range. And so the Mew piggyback off, off our range. And so they, the Mew had all these enablers that came up and showed up to shoot. And these two female, I don't know, let's call them sergeants. I don't remember what their rank were. The younger, they showed up and, I mean, just lost. Just lost. And I was the OIC. And so I came up to this sergeant and I took my time. I showed her how to use the pistol, how to load the pistol, how to work the pistol, how to shoot the pistol. And I walked her through the whole thing, right? And as soon as she left, my sergeant came up to me and was pissed. And was like, if that was any of us, you would have thrown us off the range immediately. And of course, in my, you know, my normal reaction when anyone attacks is me to attack back. And I was like, fuck you. You don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Like I was trying to help her out. I was trying to train her, like get away from me. But when, once I shoot him away, like, and I really reflected on that, he, he was right. And so he was able to clearly see the double standard of like, I saw a female that needed help and I wanted to make sure that I took the time to counsel her. But if that was a young male corporal, that probably wouldn't have gone as well. But you, curious to poke your brain yeah. there. But like, there's a lot of people just for that scenario. You know, a lot of people haven't shoot shot guns before they even fucking joined the Marine Corps. Yep. So would that not something that you thought about before, even if it was a male? Just curiosity. <laughs> um. Because they probably shoot answer, the annual. Your, the your question year. is, what was her background on the pistol? I don't know. The point that my male sergeant was making was it didn't matter what the background was of a male. I treated everyone kind of hard-nosed. Like, if you're going to get on the range, you better know what you're doing was my approach, right? And so, yeah, your point was maybe I should take that approach with everyone because they may not have shot pistol. But that that's not the point I'm making in this situation. I, I had a standard where if you show up to the range, you better at least know how to manipulate the weapon and be safe. And that that Marine was not. And I found myself reacting differently to her than I probably would have another Marine on the range, you know, and that's on me. That's not on her. That's on me. I just, I, I say it to illustrate again, everyone looks through the world with the prism. And, and so that was one of those moments where I had to then reflect on maybe my own bias. Then I probably screamed at the next female that I saw, you know, like, I don't know, like I had to overcome that. Um, but so that I was a captain in that story. And so let's fast forward to now I'm a major, I'm at the basic school and I had a company of 300 second lieutenants and there's a good demographic of females, maybe 15% of them, however many that is, um, was that 45? (laughs) So we did a physical, I did a, a competition, a company commander PT event. And it was like, basically I was whittling it down. And so imagine you have 300 people and you like basically break them in half, 150, 150. And it's like stare at each other and do pull-ups. The first one that can't do pull-ups anymore, you're out. So now you're down 150. And then it's like pair up 150, do crunches. First one that gets to 50 wins, the other one's out, right? So we did stuff like that. Do it all the way down to five people. And so now you got 295 lieutenants that have formed a circle and you got five more. We brought them like over to the ropes, the final five. 
And one of the final five was a female. I don't remember what her last name was. So I'll just make something up. I was going to say it was Jordan, right? And so I see Jordan and I'm like, Jordan, you're in the final five? And she's like, yes, sir. And I came up and I was like, fucking good job. And I gave her a fist bump. And I could hear the guys in the background being like, he didn't give the guys a fist bump. You know what I mean? And so like that just hated me because it was like, no, 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 I didn't give the guys <laughs> a fist bump, right? But I mean, was what they said right? Like it, obviously that was feeding into their fear of females may get the benefit. And I, as the company commander, should be showing equality. Why did I give her a fist bump? I did give her a fist bump because she was a female. And I was excited to see a fucking female. I was going to say, do you female. think it was as a shock kind of thing? Like, holy shit, there's a fucking female that's keeping up with the guys. Well, I, I was impressed. Like, I wanted to give her kudos. But it goes back to they were pointing out everything we're talking about. Males and females are physiologically different. We treat males and females different as much as we want to pretend we don't. And when I gave that female second lieutenant a fist bump, like they all jumped on it immediately and it made me feel like shit. So I don't know. There's no, what was the original? We've been talking. (laughs) No, that's the way it should be. No, that's why I was like, just go with it. It's fuck it. No, it's fine. But with that scenario, with that situation, now if you would have done that with just the guys, because there has, I've seen it before. To where they avoid the female to avoid that conflict. Do you yeah. think that's also a problem though? That the fear because of just being around the female or just I've seen it. I've been a part of it. To where people have avoided the whole female thing to avoid that kind of. Do you think that's part of the stigma of equality? Because they don't want to hear the bullshit peanut gallery? 100%. Like after that, <laughs> after that comment, then it <laughs> was like, I'm like huh? fucking scared to go around female second lieutenants. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it, you're now it's in your mind and you're you're yes, it's not easy to just be, you know, like everyone's just a blue blob, right? Like <laughs> I see the world through male, female, color. Like I see these things, and I try to be a rational person and acknowledge like what's my upbringing, how does that impact my leadership, what will people think if I do this and that, but. Sometimes you can just get too much in your head doing that, and then you're just not a real person anymore, right? So I, I'd like to believe that we're all good people and we're just trying to do the right <laughs> thing, you know? But, I mean, my experience is a perfect example of, like, not everyone's out there being just a good dude. Like, there are people that just um, will exploit the situation or the system at the expense of other people. And so... It's unfortunate, but I mean, that's just the way the world works, I guess. So do you think, so one of my things was education within the ranks. So for example, my unit, actually my entire regiment is doing a thing. It's literally called generational to where it's teach basically old dog, new tricks. And what it is, is because we are a very different generation. Like even me joining late and older, like I'm kind of classified as a generation, even though I'm not a part of it. But it's a very different generation coming in right now. So now we're promoting classes to teach these staff and O that are higher, whatever, to be like, hey, this is how shit is now. Do you think that's important? Or just educating in general, educating the people that have been in because things are changing. Yeah, you know, I've seen those. They came in and gave us a uh, Generation Z class when I was in. Oh, did they really? School. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I've I've gotten those classes, but kind of how I started. Like, what do they even put in those kind of classes? 
Um, just maybe the difference in their belief system, their upbringing. And so like, like all classes, you sit there and listen out of a, an hour class. There's say it's a death by PowerPoint. Maybe like, no, nah, I was a speaker. They did have slides. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, my goal in any class is to try and take two or three points. Uh, I usually space out for the rest of it. Think about <laughs> Typical. What else I need to do. But I, you know, I took some things from it, but I go back to people are people. Now, they may be influenced by different things than you were in maybe your upbringing, and you need to understand that. But if, as long as you treat people with respect and you can organize a team and move towards a goal, I find it's easier to almost figure out their beliefs and inner workings through interaction by some PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, that's how I've always approached it. Like, I need to learn all my people. I'll give you an example. When I, I mean, was, that uh, is one of the, the Marine Corps leadership principles here, here, is knowing your Marines. I'm really proud of this. <laughs> I'm really proud of this story. So as a weapons company commander, we deployed on UDP. And you got to keep in mind, like I had two full mortar sections. I had two cap platoons. I had a sniper platoon. I mean, I had probably two, maybe a little over 200 guys. Maybe it was less than that. Maybe it was like 150 to 200, somewhere in there. And we had just gotten back from deployment. Like, 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 the, like I think we hadn't even gone on post-deployment yet. And so we were going to do a unit run. And it was, oh. like a, it was like a moto unit run. And it was like one of those. Was that your idea? Yeah, right. Go, you, whatever. It was the battalion. So Christ. no, I was a company commander <laughs> participating in this battalion unit run. I appreciate you trying to pin that on me, but I, that would never be my thing. So we're clear on that. Um, in fact, usually on unit runs, because I was weapons company, I was always last. I would walk. <laughs> And I wouldn't pretend to run. And I actually got scolded by my battalion next Oh, like, my God. What are you doing? You're not into this. And I'm like, do I have to pretend to run? Like, that's what you want me to do right now? Um, but so nine-man front. And like we were doing like dynamic stretching, you know, which is the biggest bunch of bullshit. It is. It everyone, really is. Everyone knows. Like we go through the motions. Like check the box yeah. for our bullshit stretching. And I, so I'm sitting off to the flank looking into my nine-man front. However, you know, I don't know what that is. Probably 15, 20 deep. And in the middle, in the very middle, everyone's in green on green, there's a face I don't recognize. And I'm like, if it was any other time, like, you know, in the workup, we're getting Marines, new Marines all the time, and I just would have thought, like, nah, probably a new guy, I'll fucking meet him later, I was right? say, were you one of those what made sure you knew who your Marines were? I couldn't tell you probably everyone's name. But their face, at least. But I remembered everyone's face. And so <laughs> there was a situation where I'm looking at this guy's face, and I'm like, that guy. I don't know that guy, <laughs> right? And so it was the moment where it was like, do you say something? Because if you go up to him and he's in Bravo section gun two and he's been on the whole deployment with you and you as the company commander in front of your entire company, I'm like, hey, who are you? Yeah, I don't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> like credibility in the tube. So the safe bet would have been like, don't say anything. Maybe pull him aside later, but don't say anything. But like – I was so sure that I knew all my guys. I was like, no, I don't know him. And so I did. So I like, I walk in the middle, like we're doing the stretching. No. I walk in the middle of formation. I'm like pushing Marines out of the way. And I come up to this guy and I'm like, hey man, what platoon are you in? And he gets this like scared look. Well, yeah, because every time like a higher rank, like especially as a company commander, we go full retard mode. And I'm like, <laughs> you, what platoon are you in? And the Marine next to him was like, sir, that's my brother. And I it didn't, it didn't register to me. So I was like, oh, well, I, that's great. It's your brother. But what platoon is he? And he's like, he's not a Marine, sir. I put him in green on green to just 
experience the run. What the fuck? And I was like, yeah! <laughs> Fucking busted! Thought you could slip it by in the middle of formation, not with eagle eyes over here. I was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> so, oh that's God. my story of like, that's how you figure out people. You gotta like know who your dudes are. So it's when, literally a leadership trait. So when know some, your fucking when Marines. When some dude tries to slip his brother in, you busted. Oh my God. It's <laughs> stupid. I should have got like, of all my awards, that was probably the thing Wait, I'm, so I'm most proud of. Wait, so what happened with that? Did he just leave? Yeah, I mean, like, walk shame. In front of the whole battalion. Oh, no. In front of the whole battalion, I was like, go back to the barracks. And we watched him walk. And then, like, he had to go out this gate, so he had to, like, walk in the middle, go out the gate, and then walk back, <laughs> like, do a cutback. It was awesome. Oh, my God. So, originally, with the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act, when we go into the perspective of... I don't of, know. Okay, can I stop I know. You? No, I know you don't. I don't right. expect you to know anything about this, so I'm about to educate you. Okay, hit me. So, originally, when we that first start got introduced, it was going to be a requirement for anybody that wanted to get um, promoted to O5 or higher, or an E9 of whatever, they had to go through the sapper training to be a... What, like the same ones that the victim advocates go through. There was another course that they had to go through, but a bunch of to educate themselves. Do you think that's important for somebody to be educated more on those type of things? Like what if somebody told you when it came to you're a captain, you want to become, you know, you want to keep going through the ranks as you did. But they told you that if you want to get promoted, you have to go through a sapper training the same as a UVA had to go through. How do you feel like, do you think that's important? Do you think that should be something that should be a thing? Yeah, all right, so... Or what, how would you first feel? Of all, first of all, you're being really <laughs> aggressive right now. <laughs> um, the answer to your question is obviously it's important. But there's a, there's a deeper question there. It's like, uh, to use an example, at the basic school, there's a program of instruction. Right. Every day, so I was the warfighting director. Every day, someone would show up with some type of material and say, this needs to be taught to second lieutenants. This is very important. And every day I looked at these and I was like, you're right, that is very important. But the question isn't, is it very important? The question is, what in this program of instruction should I take out so that I can put in your very important class? Are you saying they shouldn't land nav anymore? Are you saying they shouldn't do X, Y, and Z anymore? So to your question, you know, on the surface, is it very important? Yes. Are there a million other requirements? Yes. I, at the basic school, sticking with that, we had two sappers out of six captains in every company. That's, I thought that was pretty good. So I don't know what that is, uh, 33%, right? So we had that, <laughs> right? And so I don't know, honestly, I don't even know what the standard is. I think it's one per unit, uh, like company level. Like I know in my, my specific unit, we have one EO and then we have one UVA. Yeah. So that's what we have for like the entire unit. I, that's a tough one because, you know, I brought up the story. I don't know why I keep talking about the basic school, but it, it probably because it was the best mix of male and females, to be quite honest with you. And I brought up the story about how I gave the girl a fist bump. I had to fire a captain because he sent inappropriate text to a female student. And we, had to end up, we ultimately ended up kicking him out of the Marine Corps. I mean, and so like... There, I mean, and this is a guy that I just never would have seen it coming. Infantry officer, wife, two girls. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? So, like, people never cease to amaze me with their <laughs> inability to kind of, like, hold the line, right? So, 
do UVAs and sappers need to be out there? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. This girl actually went to the chaplain. I mean, it wasn't sexual assault, but it was definitely sexual harassment. And yeah, I think also the aspect of who you pick, making sure they're approachable because I don't care what your title is. If you're a sapper or a UVA, if you're a leader and not approachable, like I'm not going to come talk to you about it. I'd rather mm-hmm. go to my corporal that will listen to me. I'm saying my go- UVA, I'd never, if yeah. I had a situation, I'd never in a million years would go to her. So and I, it's a female, like usually yeah. like females, female. no, I would never in a million years go to her. And so it's also more than just like, you know, making sure everyone has the training. It's who, who's the right people to get the training that can be available so that people have an outlet. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> so, okay, with this whole push of t- since you held the position, you know, as a commander and at your statute, the fact that the push was to take it out of the command's hands and now it's going to a third-party entity that, like, you're going to have no – say you had, a you know, a female or male because it's both – it's a human issue. It's not just a gender issue. That you had a Marine that was sexually assaulted, but you can't do anything about it. Because now it's to a third-party entity. You can't have a say. You can't be a part of this. Like, as a commander, though, how does that make, How would that make you feel? I don't like that question. That was a bad question. Yeah, I, mean, I, <laughs> I don't like that question. But I'm just saying. Because I'm, I'm not. I'm the type, and I've been a big advocate about not taking out of 100% out of the command's hands. Do we need a third-party entity about... The having legal and shit you need My to do? My perspective on this has changed. If you would have asked me in early August of 21, I would have said it's absolutely ridiculous that they would take it out of the command's hand. That just shows that they don't trust the military. But since I've gone through everything that I've gone through, I've realized how corrupt the UCMJ and the, you know, the whole process. Undue command influence. I mean, I made a post recently. In general, Amos substantiated command influence on the Taliban pissing or the Marines pissing on the Taliban was no charges were ever brought against him. Uh, the Marsoc three substantiated undue command influence. The senior defense attorney told the defense young captains that if they defended people that were, you know, they're being alleged for manslaughter, that they wouldn't get promoted. Like just straight up undue command influence. Nothing's going to happen there. Um, a female, the combat cargo officer for the AAV incident, she sent me her whole investigation. And, I mean, they just, they, I can't tell you how cruel it was, how they treated this Chief Warrant Officer 3. And, you know, she's a, she's a attractive Hispanic woman. And they just started, they just like, they just took, it was the same thing in my investigation. They just, it was not objective. They took turns just talking shit about their subjective opinions and reading it. I was just filled with rage. And they even, the ship's captain lied, which was corroborated by other naval officers. And the Marine Corps distanced themselves because she's in the Navy command as the combat combat cargo officer on the ship. Mm -hmm. So the Marine Corps distanced themselves from her. And um, so like there's three examples like off top that, and then going through everything that I went through so much undue command influence that I have a new perspective now. Like I'm not convinced that, I mean, these command investigations that they do are set up to just get the story that they want. It's not like an impartial investigation. It's the investigation on behalf of the commanding officer 
to get the story that he wants. My my investigating officer was General Alfred's previous opso. Like they thought they thought I didn't fucking know that. Like I was the regimental <laughs> opso working with the two of them at, at Mickey East when this asshole was his was his uh, opso. And so like I see his name, I was like. Well, that must have been a random pick, right? Like your old <laughs> opso knowing exactly what you want in the command investigation. So, you know, I, but my problem with the sexual assault thing, taking it out of the command's hand is, well, what, what about all the other victims of everything else? Like they're doing it because it's... It's the it's push a, right now. It's, it's a, the trend. It's, it's a symptom of a problem. The problem is that the military justice system, which should be impartial, is not. It's lost its way. Because the senior leaders have not been held accountable on many fronts. And so sexual assault being the talk of the town because of how horrendous it is. There's many congressional women and men that said, this is bullshit. You're not fixing the problem. We've given you plenty of time. And so they're trying to take it out of their hands. But my question to Congress would be, was, is sexual assault the only thing that's worth you know, taking out of their hands? Like, look at Marsoc. They're, they're on fucking trial for manslaughter for life. And there's undue command influence. Substantiate it. You know what I mean? And so I think we need to address the entire military justice system. And it's just – it's a complicated problem. There's no easy solution to it. But at a very minimum, people that have undue command influence or if we just start pulling these investigations on pick your crime and you see how skewed these investigations are, it would be a step at least in the right direction. So you're for being taken out of command hands? I am pro – I think there needs to be significant overhaul to the military justice system. So I think just taking sexual assault out of their hands doesn't fix the whole problem. It fixes a symptom of the problem. It's an interesting way. I'm glad I asked you that though because that's an interesting way. Again, that's why I wanted to poke your brain about it because you did. I was <laughs> you... going to let it go, but you keep <laughs> Yeah, I know back. because you look at me every time <laughs> I say it. So I'm just like, fuck it, whatever. Here we are. <laughs> but just holding like the different positions that you've held, seeing the things you've seen, you know, on both. I mean, you've seen them on both ends. So, and I do, I, I agree with you on the whole, you know, reforming it. Did you know domestic violence wasn't added to UCMJ until 2019? No, I didn't know Isn't that. that crazy? That's a fun fact. 2019. It's not even five years old yet. Domestic violence. And the only policy the Marine Corps has is that it's up to the abuser's 05 commanding officer as to what happens. I would say that's a little bit of a misleading stat because... Nope. Uh, wait, hold on. <laughs> hear me out. More than five years ago, I had plenty of domestic assaults in my command, and we just ran into simple assault. So, like, if a female spouse or male, like, I, I, know, I get it, you're playing both ways here, males can be <laughs> victims. Um, but typically in my line of work, only because I worked with mostly males back then, um, their spouses were why were women. And so the females would come to our, my company commands and say, you know, so-and-so abused me. And even if there wasn't, like, a, in the UCMJ domestic assault, like, we, we prosecuted that as assault. Like, if it was substantiated, like, she had a black eye, he said he hit me. And we pursued that. Like, I think most people are good dudes. Like, you don't hit your wife. Like, that seems pretty black and white to me, right? <laughs> yeah. And well, so, like, I'm not going to be like, there's no, like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna protect my Marine from beating his wife. Like, no, I'm a human being. Like, I'm married. You know, like, I have kids. Like, I want my Marines to be good human beings. It seems like a pretty simple standard to set. Like, I don't think, 
I, I genuinely don't think most people are out there like, I want to protect a guy that's abusing his wife. I really wish more people thought like you. Just doing this, like what I do with here, not, I mean, taking into consideration what I went through, but the amount of people that come to me, I have the same perspective. Like, it is fucking common sense. Don't beat your fucking wives or your husbands or your kids. Whatever the fuck it is. Don't do it. It's human common sense. It doesn't matter if you're fucking military or civilian. Whatever. It's common fucking sense. You'd be fucking surprised. Yeah. You know, it's a joke in my safety brief every fucking weekend is don't beat your fucking wives, kids. Like, it's a fucking joke. But, I don't know. It's... I will also... I will, <laughs> I will also offer in all of the domestic abuse cases I've dealt with, there have been some clear-cut... Like you beat your wife, that's this is black and white. This is easy, and we and we move to add step. Usually, there's very few exceptions on that. Ugh, I wish it was like that for everything. But I will say, <laughs> in most in most situations, it's very complicated. It's not as easy as some dude just hauled off and hit her. Like she was cheating on him. She came home. She spit on him. She threw a book. He threw <laughs> something back. Right. So like you're like unraveling this whole like web of like and then it's no he's lying she's lying and so i'll just say from like my company commander's hat very rarely was it simply he hit me and him saying yeah i hit her she was a bitch right like it just it just very rarely happened and so you know you want to give due process but i will say i accept many people for for domestic assault even before you know your point about domestic assault just got put on the books like it, there was plenty of times where I had said people for assaulting a child. Well, I'm clear, glad to hear that somewhere it was being fucking it done. Because yeah. I'm like, when I say, when I talk about these, it's not just Marine Corps. Like, it's military-wide. Because everybody that I deal with, like, on the podcast isn't just Marine Corps. I actually deal with more other branches than I do Marine Corps. And I don't know half the shit that they're talking about. I have to Google half the acronyms they talk about. Because it's, I mean, it's different. Which you would think would be military-wide. But whatever. Here we are. So... To kind of wrap things up, if there is, from your situation, things that you've endeavored going through and what's plain, huh? It's not a word. I don't give a shit. It's my word. (laughs) It's my word. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Anyways, besides me being an awkward fuck for the last hour, it's fine. (laughs) Like, what? Okay, what's next? What do you what What are your goals? We're gonna start there. So we're gonna go from sexual assault. To yeah, we're gonna fucking assault. wrap this up because I right. got what I wanted to hear yeah. out of you. I just want to hear your perspective on certain things. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know. I uh, going back to like I just feel like everyone. My my goals in the Marine Corps were just never to be weak and to be a good dude. And being a good dude is complicated. For a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, where does that take me now? My life is kind of a shit show. I'm trying to get things stabilized. But I feel like I have a higher purpose in terms of the United States and foreign diplomacy and all my experiences. And so I'd like to be able to influence political landscape with people that I think need to be up there and be leaders. And... You know, I'll do that through the 22 cycle, and then I'll see where my life takes me. So you're going to try to make change still within the military, even though... You know, my time changing in the military ended when I got out of the military. So 
I, I tried to start a conversation. I think I, I did. I Ultimately, I wanted General McKenzie to be fired. He never was. And so that's kind of disheartening. But based on some of the opportunities that have presented themselves to me, I don't think they'll see the, the last of me. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, that's, ho- that's hopeful, you know. Because you do, you're not, that's part of the reason why I want to have you on here, because you're not a dumb fuck. Oh, I, you you're know not, what? I appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. Or what's the other yeah, dumb shit know, that people say? You're not a dumb I'm fuck. I'm going to call my parents right after this <laughs> and let them know that you gave me that endorsement. That you're was, welcome. Yeah, I'm glad Jay Marie yeah. says Stu Scheller's not a fucking dumb fuck. Hey, guys, fuck. <laughs> uh, I just talked to Jay Marie, and she let me know, despite what you guys fuck. told me, that I am not a dumb fuck. You're not. <laughs> Part of the reason why I had you come on here again to poke your fucking brain and just go with it. Jesus Christ. Anyways. So, end of the day, UCMJ, the military, needs a huge fucking reform in all sorts of fashions. Whether that is sexual assault or how we'd handle shit with war or whatever it is. Yeah. Military justice system. Yeah. There, yeah. there, there it is. Yep. <laughs> Dumb fuck. It's fine. It is what it is. I think this is the most informal, like, episode I've ever had with somebody that is as formal as you are. You think this is, I feel like I've been the most, like, I don't know, I, I haven't been this loose in a while, so if this is me being serious, man, you don't listen to any of my other interviews. Oh, I know, I literally listened, like, I think I've listened to almost all of them, for the most part, and even with the news article today, and I'm like... God, fuck, he's going to come on here and be unfiltered and be like, fuck it, here we are. Like, it's fine. It is what it is. All right. Like I said, to wrap up, there's a piece of advice you can give current service members and retirees, given your situation, what? I'm going to put you on the spot. Dun, dun, dun. Like, what yeah, the thing, you give the thing I've been disheartened by is the amount of people that think you can't make change. And so the system is just what it is. And so I think, you know, Jay Marie, you're a perfect example of you saw an injustice and in something that you were passionate about. You're a female servant in combat arms that has seen injustice and you've started a conversation via your platform, right? And there are people out there that's like, well, talking about it, it's not going to change anything. Stu, doing what you did, there's just one less lieutenant colonel, you're not going to change anything. And I just fundamentally and philosophically disagree with those people. I think if you see injustice, it's your obligation to go out there and address it. And that's what my life's work is going to be. And I know what I think the ideals should be, how the system should work. And right now it's not working like that on a lot of different topics. Sexual assault is one small part of a system that needs a lot of overhaul. You got a secretary of defense saying that the biggest threat to the DOD is COVID. Is second, <laughs> Which is a fucking joke. His second, second initiative is extremism. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if you just don't get it at all or if you're just singing the tune of your political leaders, but we deserve somebody much stronger than him. And I think... The future has a lot of possibilities, so that's where I'm at. You just made me re- remember something I wanted to talk about, too. <laughs> so, we're not- so we might not be wrapping it up. Fuck it, whatever. It's fine. You know, like I said, most informal fucking episode you'll probably ever do in all your media tour. <laughs> like, it's fine. So you brought up the whole COVID thing being our biggest problem in extremism, which is whatever. <laughs> the mental health. 
So something that I don't, I know this is clearly not military wide, but I know like with my unit specifically, we're doing this thing that when we get new joints that, and I talked about this in my last episode in the round table was that we're doing this course. So when we get new joints from the schoolhouse, they go through a through three week thing where the first week you're doing all your administrative shit, bullshit, whatever, yada, yada. The second week though, you're learning resources. Like, things to set you up better for the fleet. And then your third week, you're going to be in PME complete, which I think is fucking great because it's annoying to make sure Marines, whatever. Anyways, when it comes to the mental health stigma in the military, do you think that we're ever going to be able to fix that? Or what, is there a way to fix or realize how big that fucking problem is? Because, for example, a couple months, no, this is probably last, when was this? This was last year. In a matter of a three-month time frame, my unit and people attached to my unit, given it as combat arms, we had six Marines kill themselves. Nobody talked about it. Nobody gave it a fuck. So literally where my CP is, there's a parking lot kind of off adjacent to it. A Marine literally shot himself in the fucking face. Nobody talked about it. Nobody gave a fuck to talk about his name, who he was, nothing. In that time frame, there was five other Marines that killed themselves. One of them even launched himself off the third deck of the barracks. Nobody gave a fuck. Nobody cared to even know their names. Nobody talked about it. Do you think that there's ever a fucking way to... We ever gonna fucking fix this? Or are we just gonna deal with the fucking problems and make... Say you're weak? Yeah. I don't know the situation you just described. What you just painted was six people killing themselves and no one's talking about it. I can tell you... Being a regimental opso, so a regiment, now we're talking about 6,000 people. We had two or three suicides in the regiment, and everyone was talking about it. I mean, it was like... And the reason, unfortunately, is probably less about caring about Marines and more about, like, this is bad in terms of people dying and reflects on leaders. And so I go back to, I think the military's lost its way because it comes down to trying to impress your boss. And suicide is one of those things that is a bad data point for, you know, not the reasons that it probably should be a bad data point, right? Like from a human standpoint, you shouldn't want to see anyone kill themselves. I'll get to like why I think it's happening in a minute, but I find it hard to believe that no one would talk about it because like that commander is not going to get promoted. So like from a human standpoint, he should be fucking talking about it. But just from a promotion standpoint, <laughs> also he should be talking about it. So like why no one would talk about it is it, it actually is really surprising to me. Um, I don't I don't see what you gain from that. I mean, in either respect, depending on the motivation that you're working on. You should care about your Marines, which which I would hope we all want to do. You should be talking about it. But the the second part is, like, that is something that everyone looks at. Anytime someone kills themselves, there's an eight-day brief. So I will tell you that every time one of those Marines committed suicide, that commander then had to brief the general on the circumstances that led up to the suicide. And so having to do that six times is pretty fucking painful on the sixth time, right? So, like, now your asshole is puckering. So, the fact that he wasn't talking about it, like, that just doesn't make sense at all. In fact, 
I mean, if that's ground truth, then I, I, I as the general probably would have fired him. Like, bro, what are you, what, what are you doing? You know, like get ahead of this. Um, suicide, like, you, you asked like a couple questions there. So, but I'll go to the mental, mental stigma or the stigma of mental health is what you said. There is a stigma of mental health. That's bottom line. There is. To say that there isn't is bullshit. Everyone knows that that's bullshit. I mean, I personally have stood in front of my Marines and been like, there's no stigma. Um, And then, like, had my own mental health issues and, like, secretly went and saw help, right? Um, I don't know. I guess in that respect, like, fucking hypocritical. But I guess I just didn't fully believe what I was saying because I knew my leaders well enough. You can't separate an idea from your perception of a person. It's impossible. And so I don't know what the answer is. I would recommend anyone that needs help to go get it. I've done it multiple times. I talk about it in the Jackal podcast. So you can go reference kind of the things that I was talking about and dealing with. And anyone that wants to have like a, a detailed conversation about this, like be happy to talk in depth about it. But the truth is, like, you got to come to your own own understanding. Like, I've had I've had uh, captains that came to me and was like, "Stu, I'm an alcoholic," and you have the conversation like, "This may impact your career, right?" Claiming you're an alcoholic, but there's a certain point where your quality of life is more important than your fucking career. I mean, it's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if it's mental health. I don't care if it's alcoholism. I don't care what it is. Like, if you have a problem, could it impact your career? Yeah, it could. That's the bottom line. Yeah, it could. Hopefully your leaders are adult enough that it won't. But you got to come to a decision on when does that thing become more important than your career. And you just have to make a decision. On the suicide thing, like why is it so rampant? I think it's... I don't know, like... The stats are insane. Like 22 veterans a day could be up to 35. You start talking about overdoses. That's not even including the active duty. But there's something to be said that the military recruits a lot of people from places where they might have problems. And they chose the military to try and build that discipline and that thing that they wanted. And then... You know, once you get through the basic training, you get to your home unit. Every single one of us has had the moment where we're like, fuck, this isn't what I thought it was, right? (laughs) And then they become a little disenfranchised. And so, you know, that's just, I don't, I've dealt with this my entire career. I've had people in my unit that have committed suicide. I've had a squad leader hang himself in Ramadi when we needed that squad leader to be on point, right? Um, I don't ha- there there is no simple answer to it. I think when people get out, they lose the sense of purpose that they have in the military. They lose the camaraderie, and I think it has a lot less to do with PTSD than I think PTSD has become this like scapegoat for all problems. And actually, I read a, a study in two thousand and twelve that looked at most of the people committing suicide were not combat related, had never been to combat. And so I think the problem with suicide 
I think gets overshadowed by some of our combat experiences. I personally believe that we a lot of people kill themselves because they've subscribed to being a victim. And, you know, I've been through a lot of shit and I think it only makes me stronger. And I think if everyone kind of got that in their head, it'd be a little bit easier. So again, I would go back to like, if you're struggling, go seek help. I've, I've sought help. But at the end of the day, like I could have a Marine that can come up to me and say, I want to kill myself. I'm going to send him to the hospital. But like any human being that really wants to kill themselves, like it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to come out and then you're going to eventually figure out a way. And so at a certain point, you just have to make a decision as a person. Like, am I a victim? Are the life circumstances so overwhelming that life is not worth it? I, I, I personally just would never get there. And it's funny because when I went through my situation, everyone was painting me as suicidal. Mm-hmm. Everyone was painting me as suicidal. He's been to combat. He's so suicidal. And I knew, like, I made a decision a long time ago. You know, if I commit suicide, my kids are more likely to commit suicide. My family would just always kind of look at me as the guy that took the easy way out. And I just decided, like, I'm never going to be a victim. I'm always going to be a warrior. I don't care how hard it gets. You know, worst case, I go to Alaska and no one fucking knows my name. And I drink cheap liquor and live in Alaska. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I'm, I know I kind of rambled there, but... Suicide, there is no easy answer to it. It's a huge problem that I think the military needs to address more holistically. I also think creating victims is a problem. And so when the commandant released a white letter on 17 August prior to the attacks on 26 August, and he just said, hey, your sacrifices in Afghanistan were worth it, but if you're struggling, go seek the therapist. To me, that's actually very insulting. You know, People were upset in the Afghanistan withdrawal because their senior leaders were failing. And to just say, like, you might be upset, so you should go see the seek the therapist is actually projecting victimology. Like, you're a victim. You need to go seek a therapist. It's bullshit. It's fucking fake. And he didn't realize why people were upset. They were upset because senior leaders were making mistakes, and they went there and made the sacrifices that were required to win on the tactical level. So there's a time to see a therapist, but then there's an also a time where you got to see through the bullshit of your senior leaders. Like, no, I'm not upset because I'm struggling with shit. I'm upset because you're fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> no. Now that was a good note to end on. <laughs> now that, yes, that was a good note to end on. Ah, oh, geez. Well, still, I just appreciate you for coming on, taking the time. Different platform, different conversation, that's for sure, on my end. And I know on your end, at least from what I've been following. So thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And on that note, I'm Jay Marie, and I got Joe back. Women with an F-Tup Mind is not DOD-affiliated or any branch of service. We are not endorsed by any of them, even the ones that we serve in. We're just about stating our opinions, talking about the experiences, and just, how stating public records. So I just wanted to make that clear because all we're about is making people uncomfortable, ruffling as many feathers as we can, and, you know, doing the damn thing. <laughs>